Oi, oi. Episode number 20 of the Coffee with Joffrey podcast. Welcome. How is everybody doing today? I hope you are well. Today's episode, Get Real, a realistic approach to lifelong fitness. And we put in brackets, hint, you don't have to cut out drinking. And there was no better person to get on this than Andy Harper. I've done some exercise and fitness with Andy. I've done some uh, drinking with Andy as well. And he's managed to strike that balance. And he runs a gym down in the marina, Iconic Fitness, uh, which he'll tell you a little bit about. And um, the method that he uses with a lot of his clients and kind of what he talks about is very relevant to today's topic. So Andy, awesome guy, been a bit of a mentor to me um, in terms of the, the fitness industry. So he has a lot of knowledge to give you. So listen up and I hope you enjoy this one. Hello and welcome. Episode number 20 of the Coffee with Joffrey podcast. Today I have Andy Harper with me. Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Joff. It's awesome to have you here. You're here to talk about a subject that's probably going to catch some people's attention because of the bit I put in brackets about being able to drink. I think it's important, man. I, I suspect a lot of people want to know, can I be fit and still drink? <laughs> Definitely. All right, Andy, do you want to just give yourself um, a little bit of an introduction to the listeners? They know who you are. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Andy Harper. I am one of the co-owners, along with my wife, of Iconic Fitness. Uh, that is a gym, CrossFit facility, personal training, group training facility here in Dubai. It's in the marina. Um, we've been uh, we've owned that facility now for five years. Prior to that, super into sports, loved playing um, any type. I played professional basketball for a while in England. Um, I studied sports science at university, got my first master's in um, physiology. So uh, yeah, I've been in and around coaching and teaching actually for a long time. Um, I, I wish I could say it was less long, but I'm getting a little old <laughs> now. So I guess it's, a, it's about 20 years. So we, when we actually met, it was uh, the DFC, wasn't it? Do you remember? We were training. We were doing a qualifying back... competition, and I, I think you were doing it just before me, right? I was going in to do a repeat, and I watched you do it, and you absolutely crushed it. Yeah, I'm sure you do feel like I absolutely crushed it because then you beat me by like 15 <laughs> seconds. Like, well, uh, I wasn't going to bring right it up. after that. I mean, I didn't want to mention it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was uh, back in the day. And this is the best part about that. Uh, we don't need to tell people this is back in the day that lousy athletes like ourselves could uh, qualify for DFC. Oh, I tell people on a weekly basis I was in the DFC. I let them know I was in the top 20. <laughs> I was in the top 20 in the DFC. I didn't just qualify. I was yeah. right there. I mean, uh, I think I finished like fifth in one of the events. I let people know that I've as well. I've got the program. I've got the medal there. Anyway, yeah. I mean, uh, Annie Thor's daughter won the year I was there. So, I mean, I was competing with the big ones, the big <laughs> dog. That's me. Uh, we're going off topic, but I'm sure we can do another podcast on that. But anyway, so wanted to get you on today. Obviously, the title of the podcast was a realistic approach to lifelong fitness and we said about getting real and we kind of put a hint in there you know you don't have to cut out drinking because I think one of the and this is what you're going to one of the misconceptions is you know tr trying to get all in on a health and fitness goal you understand that yeah maybe you need to consume less calories and exercise a little bit more you know does that mean you're not allowed to drink as you do it so we'll get into that but what I wanted to ask you first is you know what do you can consider lifelong lifelong fitness it's stuff I've never like put a full definition on it, but um, it would be something that you commit to like as it's just part of your daily life forever. So, for example, you know, um, if you like to play a sport, I know lots of people that continue playing, say, squash until their 50s, 60s. That's a lifelong pursuit of fitness. It doesn't necessarily have to be lifelong fitness in the in terms of like, oh, I go to the gym three times a week. I just think of it as if you are committed your whole life to some version of activity um, and uh, you, you make it a priority 
not even because you have to, but you, you like it, you want to, it's become a part of your life so you don't think about it anymore. That's the only way it can really be lifelong fitness. Yeah, I guess that was a good point. Like things like squash and those types of team sports, like you don't necessarily associate that to, you know, I guess you do, but keeping fit. But those things are all very good ways of keeping fit. You know, it's not always having to be part of a gym or, you know, going and doing other activities obviously has a huge benefit as well. Yeah, I mean, if, if you if you enjoy going to do it, you'll make time for it. You'll look forward to it. You'll make sure you're doing it when you're busy or when you um, aren't feeling very good. And, and I think sports are maybe the very best way because it doesn't, your mind isn't on, oh, I'm trying to get fit right now. Your mind is on, I'm trying to compete or I'm trying to play as well as I can. Or you're thinking about your performance and you're not thinking about, oh, I'm trying to lose some weight here or there. You're just doing it because you like it. So I think you say it's a good way. I sort of suspect it might be the best way to do it. I think it's important to note as well that you could probably tie in. I bet people will love the social side of that as well. You know, go and play squash with your buddy and go for a couple of beers after, which is probably going to tie nicely to this podcast as well. All right, so... Um, a couple of beers before, whatever, either way, either way. <laughs> yeah, it, it both works. All right, so what common things do you see happening, um, you know, as people get older, you know, sorry, with age, what are people uh, kind of like neglecting, you know, as they're getting older? Um it's very easy to get into that habit of thinking that some type of activity or exercise is a chore. And so once you get into that mindset, as you're getting older, like it's going to be more and more common to just keep associating the two together. So if somebody asks you to go play squash, and we're using that as an example, um, you'll think of it as exercise if you've sort of developed that lifelong mindset of, uh, whenever I exercise, this is a chore. This is something I don't want to do. I have to do it. Um, and the, the, the older you get, the longer uh, you do that, the, the harder it is to ever change. Um, and you just see it's, it, it becomes, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like you, you don't train for years at a time, maybe m- months we'll start off with, and then it feels terrible when you do train. It hurts a lot, so you don't want to do it again. You take longer before you train the next time. You're always remembering how hard that first time is, how bad it is to start again. You keep associating negative thoughts with it, and all of a sudden, four years have gone by, and... and you, you, you don't do anything active anymore. It's not a part of your life. It's not a part of your schedule. It's almost like people take too much or put too much emphasis on the type of training that they're doing. Like I have to be part of this program or I have to be going to this gym and actually just overthinking the fact that just doing some exercise or moving is the most important part of it, right? I, I absolutely believe in that. Like I think any program or any type of fitness training is only as good as your commitment to it. And there's no way you're going to make a commitment to something you don't like. I mean, it, I, a lot of people laugh or joke around about this, but somebody who golfs four days a week, especially if they're walking, maybe Dubai is a bad example because they don't even let you walk around. But when <laughs> I was golfing in the, in the States or in England, you're carrying your bags around and stuff. That is absolutely activity. That is exercise. Um, if you like to go for a walk with your dog in the morning and the evening, that can be considered exercise. People just associate it. I think maybe there's too much media around it now. It's too big a business fitness i say that being a person who's in the fitness industry but like it's too big a business so everybody associates exercise and fitness with a gym with weights with treadmills with all these kind of pieces of equipment that they don't consider fun or enjoyable when really fitness used to be or could still be if we weren't trying to monetize it just being active walking or being just generally um uh getting out getting off on your feet yeah exactly so why do so many people, and you, you brought up the media, which leads us into the next question, why do so many people just focus on the short-term 
results rather than like the longevity of a program and I think you kind of nailed the first point in terms of if they if someone wants to get longevity from a program then go and find something that you enjoy doing like if you go into a gym environment or you go to a class and you're like that was horrible but I have to do it because I want to get in shape there's no longevity there you are going to quit probably in a week's time if not a month's time definitely you're not going to be doing it in six months time if you hated it that much so what do people need to do to focus a little bit more on the longevity side of it Boy, that, that, there's two parts to that question. You ask, like, why do people not focus? Well, because it's not right in front of your face. You know, human beings are just generally bad at seeing, like, past the end of their nose. So we, like a lot of people who are associating with exercise are thinking about how their stomach looks today or, you know, maybe their stretch marks or whatever. And it's very hard to start to picture yourself 30, 20, 30, 40 years down the road and what you're actually going to be capable of doing. Um, and I get that. I'm not any better. I, like, everything I can say right here is all theoretical. I haven't done it yet. Um, and it's hard for me to picture as well, but that doesn't mean it's, it shouldn't still be something that is part of your consideration. Um, the, the best, like the best piece of advice I can give somebody to make it lifelong fitness besides enjoying it, which is by far the most important thing. If you do not enjoy it, don't bother. Uh, you and I have just to, to, to use examples that you and I might know, we've both been personal trainers before. And if you've ever trained that person that clearly doesn't want to be there, like that everything about them is saying they don't, they've made it obvious with their body language and their, the, their demeanor and everything, they should stop right now. Yeah. Get their money back. You're not going to keep going. Like, don't bother. Instead, like find that thing that you enjoy and then make it a part of your daily or weekly schedule. Same times, same days. If you travel and you want to keep it fit, like you're traveling a lot, like you make that part of your schedule. If you don't, it's never going to last. The only thing that can make it lifelong is consistency. Yeah. All right. What about consistently drinking then when you're trying to get in shape? <laughs> All right. We're down to the crux of the matter, the most important part. Yeah. Um, no, I actually, you, you asked me about some possible things I want to talk about. And I just feel like, and, and I can say this is in Dubai, but I lived in England. I lived in the States and I had a lot of friends that were like me um, that enjoyed having some beers on the weekend or maybe having too many beers or too many drinks on the weekend. Didn't mind having a few weekday beers as well. And like, yeah. so what is the, like... And every time you have this sort of guilt associated with it, this is super unhealthy, et cetera. Um, and that's like, it's ridiculous and unrealistic to start to say like, well, those people are just going to have to change. They have to change. They have to stop drinking. They have to stop uh, like making that a part of their lifestyle. Instead, you have to find a way to make it fit. And it can. It absolutely can. And um, uh, I can say from personal experience and I can talk about a lot of the clients that I've had in the same way, um, it's not impossible to continue drinking more than a few days a week and still stay very fit and healthy. Um, and really, I don't think I'm going to say anything groundbreaking here. People know it. First, try moderation. Um, the, the, the idea of like, and Dubai is terrible for this with brunches and going out and stuff. and Ladies nights. And yeah, exactly. And I guess I, I say Dubai, it's always easy to say that. But again, when I lived in England, the same thing would happen, like nights out and the same thing in the States, like people would binge drink and it'd be really bad. And then you've gotten into the cycle. But that usually happens on the weekend. And if you did that once a weekend, every weekend, that's a bit of a problem. But if you do it a couple weeks, uh, weekends a, a month, to be completely honest with you, your body is unbelievably good at adjusting to that. So that's only partially the problem. If you do a Friday twice a month and you're going to go all out, you're brunching, you're having more drinks, you're doing whatever, but you really enjoy it, I think that a fitness professional would be um, lying if they said you can't do that and still stay in good shape. Because you can. You absolutely can. Training has to be a little bit more important than for the person who doesn't do that. So taking your dog for a 15-minute walk every day can keep a person fit 
who's not doing that. If you yeah. are going to do a big Friday every other weekend, you probably have to start committing to a little bit more intensity, a little bit more duration, and a little bit more often in your training. There almost needs to be like a little bit of context around that as well, doesn't it? Because if we look at an individual person, you go, hey, how come that guy's got a six pack and I see him out every single weekend? He's out Friday, Saturday. Like you don't know what he's doing for the rest of the week. He might be like 100% committed to, you know, logging his food, hitting his calories, staying within his macros, however, whatever he's doing. He might be 100% committed from, uh, to that for the five days through the week. He never strays from it to allow him to do that. You know, he's in the gym five days a week that allows him to do that. So everything always needs a little bit more context. And, and that's why we do the podcast, right? Because we can get that point across. So it's like you said, moderation, it's almost just going in and working out for yourself. And one of the things that, you know, I guess this came from like the CrossFit environment. And I know you, you, you guys down at the gym do this a lot as well. You know, you do a grueling workout on a Friday morning, you know, you do Murph or you do a real kind of tough workout and you go and have some beers after not just a couple of beers, you go and do a brunch, you socialize and have that side of it. And, you know, everyone's in there, you know, getting loose, really. <laughs> it's true. Like, uh, I mean, the CrossFitters love to do that. And I don't think they're the only ones because we run a, the gym that we run, like has different types of classes, bootcamp style, CrossFit, whatever. And then the two busiest times are right before brunch and the day after. And that's because of the guilt that people are feeling of what yeah. they did the, the, the day before. Um, so those two things definitely happen and they take place and you do need to have a little bit more you have to work a little harder if you're going to do that. The other thing that's super important is to set your expectations. I don't know how many times I've talked to somebody who like grabs a little bit of their belly and they say, you know, I want to lose this. If you want to keep drinking and you want to have beers two or three days a week, like three or four of them, plus a big night out on the weekend almost every week, fine. You're not going to have a six pack. That doesn't mean you still can't be healthy. Yeah. You can be quite healthy with a little bit of fat. In fact, I would go as far as to say a lot of the fitness models you see that are like 14% body fat or lower aren't very healthy yeah. and they might not ever drink, but that yeah. is still not particularly healthy for your body. So it's fine. It's setting your expectations and people, unfortunately, uh, again, media makes it hard because everybody looks so dang good online and in Instagram and like, it's unbelievable how beautiful people can be when they're allowed to just show their good parts. Yeah. But like, if you're being real with yourself, if you really enjoy that stuff, you like drinking, cool. You just have to change your expectations. You're not going to be like a rippling stomach. Um, and that's okay. That's actually perfectly healthy and maybe even better mentally. It's actually, yeah, you, you nailed it there. Like it, you need to be realistic and you actually, and this is where it helps to work with a coach or someone that kind of knows or understands what it's like when you get there, because just because someone's got a six pack and they parade their body off doesn't necessarily mean that they're a happy person. It doesn't mean that their life is any better than yours. I mean, the fact that they, you know, they might be sitting at six or 7% body fat, they don't drink anything, you know, they don't go out for evening meals with a partner, you know, they sacrifice a lot. Like that's that's down to what your expectations are as well. So I think you made a good point there in terms of like what people can do um, as they're going forward. I'm waffling there. Let me ask you a question real quick. Like you, you obviously trained clients before and you've probably had clients that were going out every single weekend. How would you try to set their expectations? I, I just think it's a, it's a coaching process as they go through. And when someone says to me, you know, because I do very, I do bi-weekly kind of measurements with a lot of the members that are on the program. And, you know, I'll get an example of someone that goes, oh my, you know, I haven't lost, uh, I haven't lost any body fat. I put on 1% body fat and, you know, I'm, it's not working for me. And they've trained consistently, 
yeah, they've told me that they're being good with the food. I was like, okay, well, you know, what have you done in this last month? Like, you, have you been really committed to the process to lowering your body fat? And then once you start to break it down, you understand they're probably not. They go, well, you know, I did have family over or, you know, I did have a friend's birthday and there are probably things that I might have been able to change. I was like, well, it's just having a look back at what you've done and what you could potentially change. And if you, that's why I liked your point about expectations. Like, if you really wanted to, you could. And I bet even if you surrounded yourself with the right people, that's why sometimes we talk about your training environment as well. You know, if you're hang, if your group of friends, you know, aren't fitness, like into their fitness and aren't necessarily into their nutrition, like it's going to be a lot harder for you to kind of build that support structure that you need. Whereas if you went into a gym, into an environment where everybody's doing it, it'd be a lot easier for you. So I guess it's just finding that, it's like you said, just setting the expectation and understanding what it means when you get there. Yeah, they, that's interesting when you talk about like the people that you surround yourself with. I guess just to tie that back into sort of lifelong fitness and like the whole thing, you really, you know, you're what an, an average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Um, so I would ask somebody, let's say, that's in their late 20s or early 30s that is going out a lot and um, like having fun on the weekends and still training hard. And I know lots of people that do that. Are the people you spend time with also doing that? And if they are, then great. You guys will continue to like motivate each other and you'll have fun on the weekend stuff and you can do that. Whereas if you think that you're gonna have this wholesale change five years from now and change your entire style of living, I think that's an unrealistic expectation um, because you clearly have developed a pattern that you enjoy that you like uh, around your life. You can continue to do that without feeling guilty. You just have to make sure you're, you've got a balance and the people around you have to understand that same balance. If they are constantly getting you to go out more often, or let's say making you feel bad about the fact that you went out, like neither one of those is good for the yeah, long term. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. I think um, I've got a good friend who got in ridiculously good shape, um, a friend from university, and he went into bodybuilding and got up on stage. And he's, he's a really, really good coach. Um, and one of the things that he, he spoke to me about before is he said when he got into the best shape that he's ever been in, he said he had the flexibility around his life to be able to do that. He's working, he started working full-time as a personal trainer. So he's in that environment the whole time. You know, he can kind of plan his clients when he's going to train. Like training is number one when you're in that mindset. Mm -hmm. Even above your clients, I'm afraid to say it, but you are like, you're thinking about yourself more than anybody else. He was like, I didn't have a girlfriend. You know, I lived close to the gym. I could eat what I wanted. I was very prepared for my food. If I wanted to go home after work and sleep at seven o'clock in the evening, I could, it wasn't, there wasn't anybody relying on me. And he was like, everything was just in place. And he, he said, if he wanted to do that now, now that he's got a girlfriend, now that his job's kind of like a little bit more high expectations, he said, I don't know if I could. And that's what, you know, we talk about the, the general population, people with family, with kids at home, you know, busy work schedules. Like it's gonna be impossible for you to bring in all those other factors, not even just nutrition and exercise you know, sleep, stress levels, moods, all that kind of stuff is so important as well, so. It is, man. Like, I, I think that people don't understand just how much time it takes to get to look to like, like those people. And, uh, and, I, and bless them, I really, I, I admire the, the effort that they're willing to put into it, um, the commitment and the consistency that they do. Um, it's not something that I would plan on doing for myself. It's not a goal that I have. And if that's not, like, if you have that goal and you also have a goal to have a busy social life, you have to choose one. You don't get to do both, unfortunately. That's the sad part about it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I like to be around my friends, and I like to uh, 
uh, have a pizza every once in a while and I don't want to be watching. I don't actually count every calorie that I eat. It's not something that I want to do and I don't have to to stay like pretty fit and healthy. Yeah. I'm just not going to be an Instagram model and yeah, I guess yeah. I'll have to live. Yeah. Although, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I might keep trying. I, I mean, do. you need to post first, mate, before you can be one of them. I did post two years ago and it had, <laughs> I think it got 12 likes. So if anybody wants to go on there and hit me, I, it's blowing up. We'll tag you in. You'll, yeah. know, you'll know if you get followers from this. <laughs> I was pretty disappointed to find out that you didn't want some advice on how to grow your social media presence. I felt for sure that was going to be like sort of my niche i'll come back to you for that okay all right we kind of nailed some points then but just wrapping this up then common mistakes that you see people make now i know that we've kind of touched on a few different things but is there anything that really stand out and let's tie it into you know getting real expectations being able to have a drink and still enjoy your social life is there any like immediate mistakes that people make um, I've, uh, the crash diet, like the, the idea that I'm for the next month, I'm not going to have a single drink or for, like, I don't know if you've heard of like sober October or like uh, dry January and stuff like that. I find that what happens almost always, I mean, there are a few exceptions, but almost always that leads to an unbelievably bad following month, right? Like when you're, when you just absolutely cut everything out, um, it, it's not going to last. You know, the same type of person that says, I'm going to go keto for the next few months. Unless you really think you can go keto for the rest of your life, don't do it. Yeah. Like, that's just an error. Instead, my best advice to anybody is create a fairly consistent but not incredibly rigid schedule. Um, let me just give you a really quick example because I, like, I always like hearing some practical stuff. So this yeah, is definitely. like my practical Andy diet advice. This will, and this will tie into the last one because I always get someone to t talk about, uh, give something to the listeners that they can implement now. So this will be good. Cool. Um, that's why I read ahead on your questions. Uh, yeah, that's why I read ahead <laughs> on the questions. No, I, um, I like to give some practical advice. And I, I, I was just telling this to a couple friends. And we call it the Andy diet now. And it's essentially like something that is a, a schedule. And it keeps me to it. It's not that I eat the same things every day or whatever. So first, I recommend to a lot of people to try intermittent fasting. Um, it's very, very easy that's one of the best ways to cut down on the total calories you consume yep. is to just reduce the amount of time that you eat some people th find it a struggle but almost everybody i know if you're able to do it for a week you can be pretty consistent after that just to be real quick go back uh, intermittent fasting usually i would say the basic 16 hours where you don't eat in eight hours is your feeding window i love yeah. people people who do intermittent fasting love calling it feeding my Feed feeding window, window. I'm gonna <laughs> feed. so uh like 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 if i ever asked you to, to come out to dinner hey Je joff you want to you want to go feed together <laughs> yeah this is part of my feeding period but anyway so you've got like this eight hour uh period where you're allowed to eat and then try to be pretty consistent during that eight hours of the type of foods that you're going to eat. So for instance, for me, um, I had some bad habits. I loved tacos and burritos and curry. Those are like my favorite foods and they are all so high carbohydrates. The They're so good. Yeah. But so I had to like, it's fine. I just had to like cut out some of that. So I recommend for lunch, try not to eat any complex carbohydrate. For me, I just turned that into my breakfast. So I eat my first meal is at like 1230 and that would usually be like, egg and bacon or sausage, uh, maybe some avocado, something like that. So it sounds keto, but that's not really what I'm going for. I'm yeah, just yeah. something that I like to eat that's not high carbohydrate, but not a huge meal because I find if I'm intermittent fasting, I eat too much. I'll get tired in the afternoon. So then some other smaller meals during the afternoon. Again, I try to just avoid carbohydrate. I like cheese. I'll take like little lunch meats and wrap a little piece of cheese in it and I'll eat yeah, that. Easy. Um, yeah, something basic, maybe a handful of almonds or whatever. Uh, evenings, uh, during the weekdays, I, again, try to avoid my curries, my pizzas, my burgers. I don't eat a lot of carbohydrate, but you could. But I'm generally trying to have chicken, broccoli, fish, yeah. like the basics. I know it's not always super exciting, but food doesn't have to thrill you every time you eat it. Yeah. Um, 
And then on the weekends, I'm allowed to have some of my carbohydrates and stuff like that, but I try to make it one meal a day. Yeah. So all that is, I'm intermittent fasting every day, so I don't have a schedule to eat. I have a basic idea of the type of foods I'm eating. And if, I ha- if I'm at lunch with you on a weekday and all that's available sandwiches, cool. I can have it. It's not going to crush me, and I don't beat myself up over it. Also during that, if I want to have a gin and tonic or a whiskey in the evening, cool. I, no beers during the week. Um, but like after I finish my meal, I have until 8 p.m., um, I know that I could have a drink or two, and that's fine. I can chill out and, and relax. And then on the weekends, absolutely, I'll go and have a brunch or I'll do some beers during the afternoon. With so would you still intermittent fast on the weekend days yes. as well? Maybe just shift your timings around if you exactly. need to. Exactly. Yeah. Let's say your brunch starts at noon. Fine. You have your first meal at noon. That's when it starts instead of 1 p.m. But you still stop by 8. Yeah. And then the next day, yeah. Because then you're cutting out the uh, after after you going home, the booze. The midnight The next McDonald's. pizza, the McDonald's, yeah. I admit that part of this, when I say my schedule, I, I also keep a fairly consistent schedule on the weekend that some people who are doing some of the things that we're talking about will struggle with. I still go to bed at 10. I'm just not a late guy on the yeah, weekend yeah. and stuff. So like for me, stopping eating at 8 is still pretty normal on a Friday. You passed out by then, I think. Yeah, I never make it. I, like I'm ghosting everybody at the, yeah. at the bar by like 7.30. But there's that. And then the next day, I still stick with it. And that can be maybe even more important because the next day is when people blow it. That's a sacrifice, isn't it? It is. It's a little harder, but the thing that I got to have, it's again, it's all about the schedule, all about consistency. The first thing I start my day with is uh, two cups of, I, boil, I uh, brew a pot of coffee and I have two cups of coffee with heavy cream. Again, this sounds keto-y, but like it gives me some calories. I don't feel super hungry and I can do it every day. It's something I look forward to now. I'm reading yeah. my book or I'm chilling, checking emails if it's a weekday and I'm having that um, and it gets me through. You know, um, The other thing I would recommend if you decide to do intermittent fasting, stay busy. But for me, and I've, I've recommended this to a few people. I, I admit this will probably not get you straight into six-packville. Yeah, yeah. But I was maybe 8 to 10 kg overweight. I was able to lose that pretty comfortably over a few months. And I don't find the schedule hard. And none of the other people that I've helped with this have found that schedule particularly difficult. You don't have to do exactly what I've done. But I do think having a somewhat rigid schedule that you have some flexibility with is really, really important. Because then you can stick with it for years. There's no reason you can't. The Andy diet. I can see this being on a book, a bestseller. Oh, it's it's going to be so big. When I start posting it on my social media account, <laughs> uh, it's going to go 312 people currently following me are going to, they're just going to share it all over the world, Joff. It's going to be big. Like I've, I've definitely done intermittent fasting in the past and I definitely see the benefits from it. I think like the thing I want to point out first is like, it's not a magical diet. You are consuming less calories because you're essentially skipping a meal or your you know that snack that you have between eight and ten before you go to bed that you don't really need you you're conscious of that that you're not going to eat it so consuming less calories but what i like about it as well is that you don't have to be you know if you're someone who's you know i said about your group of friends who aren't really into the nutrition side of it the fitness side of it you don't want to be the one who's sat at the if you're you don't want to be the one sat at the table and not having certain types of food because it doesn't fit your diet and you don't want to be that person and intermittent fasting is great isn't it because you you allow yourself to have it and then you go and make the sacrifices in other other times of the day yeah and what i found also it's now common knowledge enough like it's not crazy for me to go to breakfast with somebody I'll have a coffee still. I'll even have a cappuccino, which is definitely doesn't fit within your intermittent fasting. It's too many calories and stuff yeah. like that. But I'm aware that that doesn't kill me. Yeah, it's not yeah. the worst thing. But if I, if you, if you're having breakfast, you have some eggs, and I have a cappuccino, and I say I'm intermittent fasting, you don't get people staring at you like you might have had ten years ago. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. They know. They understand. Oh, what really? Oh, and then often you, they, they, they'll ask about it a little bit. Um, 
Then the other thing I'd say about this lifelong longevity, I might be lucky, but you do kind of, I would say, if you want to have a drink in the evening, a, a whiskey or a beer or a gin and tonic or whatever, you probably, that means you should sacrifice your dessert if you happen to like chocolate bars or ice cream. Yeah. Or if you like chocolate bars and ice cream, cool. Then try to avoid drinking during the week as well. Like, like you kind of should sort of pick a vice that you're going to have in moderation if you're going to do it during the week. I should mention, from a doctor's perspective, you'd be healthier to not drink than it is yeah, to drink. Yeah. But if we want to be real with people, which is the whole idea of this, like be realistic with yourself and don't beat yourself up about it. Like uh, That's the only way to make this last a lifelong. Awesome. I think we'll wrap it up there, Andy. That was awesome. And I think people can literally listen to that and take what you said at the end there, the practical advice, and they'll probably be following your a similar pattern to that if they haven't done something like that before so that was super useful cool listen to it between 12 and 8 with the gin and tonic yeah yeah so um i'll tag andy in this he's not active on social media <laughs> <laughs> as you can probably guess but i'll tag him in there so you can go and check him out but you if you are in dubai if you're down in marino definitely go and check out his gym so it's iconic fitness um go down there see andy see andy and the team and um they can help you out so we'll wrap it up there mate thank you for coming down all right thanks a lot Josh.